Sunday of the Edinburgh Festival 2017. The whole city is hungover. Any of you hungover? Yeah. Wow, that is a lot of you, isn't it? What what happened last night? Uh, we were we across the road. Is that right? We were the hive till five. Yucky, mate. The hive till five. How old are you? Okay, let's see. But you're British, so it's fucking tough. Where are you from? Melbourne. Oh, Canadian, mate, it's all the same. White man with an accent. You're from England eventually. As a Canadian, I can say that. Um, okay, Australian. Graying beard. But still, still a brightness in the eyes. Subtly thinning hair, but in a way that is masked very well. Again, I can say that. Look at these widow's peak I'm developing. All right, smiling, constantly looking at girls. But he is Australian, so that doesn't help. Okay, skateboard trainers. But a bracelet. Back to the Future is... Note, though, how he said, I haven't seen it. Now, if he was someone, let's say, below the age of 25, he would have said, oh, it's a movie my dad watches. <laughs> I'm going to say you are 31. Pretty good, 29. Fuck! <laughs> so you stayed at the hive till five. What were you drinking? Uh, we're, uh, I was on Guinness and then gin and tonics and then... Oh! <laughs> Yuckarume, what are you doing? You're 29. You should learn stick to one beverage. Yeah, I've never stayed up and seen the sunrise. You've never stayed up and seen the sunrise? What? <laughs> what? What were you doing? Okay, who here? But who here at like 21, 22 stayed, drank up, all, drank all night just to watch the sunrise? Yeah, that's when you. 29 is not the time to. 29 <laughs> is you turn to your friends that are gonna do that and go, we're 29. <laughs> We're going to get up with a hangover and have a reasonable brunch. <laughs> I have to be honest, I didn't think you were actually saving seats. I thought you just wanted room to spread out. You are vindicated. You don't know who they are? The way you said that in your accent really made me believe you don't know who they are. Uh, and what is your name, Aussie bloke? Ian. Ian. Powerful Australian name. And, uh, and w are you here for the festival? Yeah, yeah. Performing? Uh, no, sorry. Classic Australian gap year that is your 20s. <laughs> like, I don't know how Australia is a country. No one has a job. Everyone is just, what do you do? Like, I got a surfboard and I'm just here in Thailand hanging out, man. There's an EDM festival in about 45 years that I'm going to attend, but besides that, I'm just going to take some pills and just learn to be and then head back to Australia and get weirdly right wing about social issues, but be oddly very liberal in our economic spending. <laughs> It perfectly summates Australia. I'm aware that not a lot of you are aware of the political climate in Australia, but it's fucking weird. It's like, there better not be a fur jacket and gays can't be married. <laughs> Do I need to explain that joke? The inherent hypocrisy? Thank you, sir, for that very condescending <laughs> I got it. I just didn't like it. <laughs> so you're hungover, and you're hungover with these two ladies. And you guys traveling together. That's his wife. Wait, you guys are just like nomads together as husband and wife? We have jobs. The way you say that makes it sound... <laughs> yeah, but you don't have careers. Yeah, we do. What do you do? I'm a builder. It's, it's a bit of both, isn't it, really? Well, wait. Yeah, fuck you. Listen, what kind of building do you do? Uh... Predominantly renovations on pretty old houses, 1850s houses. Yeah. Okay, so that's a career. That's like you put on a tool belt, but you have a tucked in shirt and you say something to like a man with no teeth, like you call this hammering, I call it shit, Gus. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
here's the weird thing about using the term builder. I'm from North America where we use the term construction worker, which I think is a much more positive term. It sounds like you're accomplished something. Builder sounds like you're a child that's been given some tools. And you're like, a whole, it's, like it's very condescending. I've hired a builder. And it's like, he's 11. His name's Tyler. He, he has to be done by six because that's when it's tubby time and bookie wookie time. But like, like construction worker, there's an inherent responsibility. He's in charge of construction. He takes it from a lawn into a house like a builder is like it sounds like the guy who hands the brick to the guy with the fucking thing I'd, i i see these hands you know how they're nice i've never used them like i i am not i i did demolition uh for a summer in uh, historically significant buildings in canada which basically means hey you're 19 and probably can survive asbestos exposure and <laughs> And it was it was the it was the most I've never been so relaxed in my life because you're sent into a darkened room that's like 50 degrees and you're given a sledgehammer and not like minimal protective gear like I was given a bicycle helmet and sunglasses <laughs> in a dark room and they were like all of this on the ground and it was ah! and it was me and my buddy Jeff DeMello and Jeff went a bit stir crazy him and his uh, girlfriend it's not his wife but they were going through a rough patch and for some reason he got really hot so we would do demo naked <laughs> and it was so weird because people would walk in and he's completely nude while I'm in construction gear and he's just and he's this tiny Portuguese lunatic and he's just swinging two hammers fuck you like oh it was so much fun and we were doing this building it was a it was like an old country estate and uh, we were uh, demolishing all the buildings that were going to turn it into a resort and we were demolishing all the walls so they could get it down to the studs and do that sort of open concept thing that i'm sure you're doing in the res restoration of like you get it down to the beautiful wall structure of it and then you you um what do you what does it call it where you just cut you render it and then you put like a varnish on it so the wood is still exposed but it's smooth and you don't get splinters what what is that called you might be sanding it. Um. This is why he should be called a construction worker and not a builder. Because a builder, he doesn't know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> you're an interesting audience in that you're, yes, yes, didn't like that one. <laughs> and uh, and we, so we, were, like, we ripped it, most of it down and then we were in what was like the cookhouse sort of area. I told you you were going to take off that coat. And, <laughs> and, uh, and we uh, got it all down and then we broke the wall down and then it was just asbestos and batshit which I didn't realize is very toxic, but is very toxic. And our foreman dude walked in just to see one guy in full gear sweating and a naked man just relaxed. And he walked over and he's like, guys, this is asbestos. You haven't touched it. And Jeff was holding a piece of it that he had ripped off with his hands. And he's like, if you, you guys haven't touched it, right? And, he, and Jeff was like, uh, no. And he was like, okay, we have to shut down the site. And they brought in inspectors. Inspector, by the way, I think the best job in the world is to be a building instructor or inspector. Do you have them in Australia? Yeah, it's the best. You just show up around people that are working and evidently just make up rules and get paid ludicrous amounts of money. Pardon me, yeah, you see this nail? Yeah, you haven't given it a proper Christian name, so we're gonna need to shut down this site. Oh yeah, oh, this poster, white with blue? That doesn't, that's not to code right now, so I'm gonna need two parakeets to fly to China. <laughs> Oh, you see over here? Yeah. Um, I don't like your face. Give me $1,700. <laughs> like, uh, I'm in Canada, and Canada's going through this big thing right now where Canada's having a housing crisis and that there's too many people that can buy houses for a certain price, but that price was from five years ago, and now houses are triple the amount of money. So everyone's renting for a ludicrous amount of money but want to buy, and they can't. So the city's solution is is they're basically just, like, rezoning driveways and trying to put, make people build a house in like a drive. Like imagine the drive, this is Europe where you guys don't really have drives. You have the street where you park because you guys don't have snow, so you don't need to worry about. So, so you know what a driveway is, yes? Yes. I don't mean to condescend, but sometimes it's one of those things you run into, such as like, you know, I come from Canada, he's from Australia. Their surface roads, you drive at like a nice reasonable 30 miles an hour, as opposed to here in Britain where it's like, do 60. <laughs> Live your life. I live in London. Surface road speed is 50 miles an hour. What the fuck is going? What? You don't need to be somewhere that quick. Like going around to school at 65. Yeah! The city's crowded. Kill a kid. Like it's fucked. 
Um, and so what they are now doing is they're going around and building inspectors are just surprising homeowners and they're measuring the driveway. And if the driveway is too long to constitute being a driveway, they're declaring it city property and then just taking people's driveways off of them and putting a house on it. And my mom is a, a lunatic libertarian woman. She's not libertarian. She just hates people taking her stuff. Halloween's a son of a bitch with that woman. Like she dresses up like a uh, like a witch, but when they come for her candy, she's just eating it. I don't think so. <laughs> if you egg my house, I know all your parents. And it's fictitious. She's very good. She gives out full size candy bars now because she is a professor with tenure, which means she cannot be fired from her job. And I've never seen someone wield power more recklessly than that woman. Anyway. <laughs> So she's gotten this house and she's finally built her dream house and it's a nice wide driveway because my mom, not to be stereotypical, and women not good at driving. A lot of women very good at driving. My mom, one of the worst. She does not use turn signals. She does not use mirrors. She does not believe in speed limits. She believes she is confident when she is confident and will go the speed she feels like going. Which is not helpful to other drivers when she's doing like, it's kilometers, so she'll be doing like 104 kilometers when it's a 60 zone, but on a motorway, um, it's a bit crowded, I'll do 70, but I'll put on my hazards so they know I'm concerned. <laughs> and she has a wide driveway, which is very good, because if it was not wide, she would back in to other houses. <laughs> And so she has a wide driveway and she's now consumed with the fact the city might take it off her and put a house between her house and her neighbor's house. So now what she's taking to do is just lining the side of it with garbage cans so that it appears like there's no driveway there. And I don't really have the heart to tell her that the building inspector does have the ability to move a garbage. It's a bin, by the way, for the British people who are going, garbage can, what is that? Is that like garbage that you eat? It's the one thing about Britain that drives me fucking crazy is you guys are fine with anything in terms of performance. I could be up here naked taking a shit on a piece of metal and none of you would say a word unless I happen to remark, oh, I love how this shit feels on the aluminum. And then you'd all rise as one and, it's aluminium, motherfucker! <laughs> it's, just, it's just, it's so weird. You're progressive in so many ways and then just certain things, you lose your fucking shit. Like it's insane. You could be a homeless person eating a live dog that's still barking, you'd say nothing. But if he's doing that on the wrong side of the escalator, you go blind with it. Eat your dog on the right! <laughs> and then we come up to Scotland where the rules are, there are no rules. And you can identify English people from Scottish people. Scottish people are just walking down whatever side of the steps they want to. English people are looking at them like the Nazis have just invaded. <laughs> What are you doing? Right is going up, left is going down, hence the political climate of today. Thank you, I was very proud of that. And, and, and what is your name, miss? Ange. Ange? Yeah. It's a great name. You'd either be a, a hell of a bartender or an excellent hit woman. Is it hit woman or can a woman be a hit man? Hit man. A woman can be a hit man? Person. Pardon me? Mm -hmm. Hit person. Hit person sounds downright charming. <laughs> Darling, I've decided you must die. I've employed a hit person. Fuck you guys. That was a hell of a fucking joke. <laughs> that, was, that is true. You, basically, if you are a hit person, you might hit a, hire a hit man to deal with the person who made you a hit person. I think that was a haiku. <laughs> and Ange, how did you meet Ian? Wow. <laughs> that was a really long time ago. Like how long? Because you're not. How old are you? 27. You're 27. How long have you guys been married? Four years. What? 23? You got married at 23? <laughs> <laughs> Arranged marriage. Is that true? <laughs> fucking no <laughs> Australia is a weird fucking place it's a country filled filled with Irish immigrants in Asia who hate black people but won't say that they're black people all the while drinking coffee 
from the Caribbean that they claim they invented while smashing avocados and charging 18 pounds for it, all the while saying, you should move here, mate. It's fucking great. Um, so how did you meet? A friend of a friend. So old school Tinder. Yeah, <laughs> yeah pretty much. Yeah, I know. That's why I said it. Everyone laughed. That's how a joke works. And... <laughs> And uh, I'm, I'm always fascinated with how couples met. I, uh, I'm currently love. I think it's. I think I found the one. I'm not sure. Like, was it love at first sight for you guys? No. <laughs> it's fine if it wasn't. Saying to people, it was love at first sight. I'm currently experiencing love at first sight, and it's the worst thing. Like, listen, I said love at first sight, and you, sir, you literally shifted and started just reading posters. Just like, oh, I didn't know I was watching a fucking idiot. <laughs> But it's true. It's true. It's the weirdest thing. You just see the person and you go, I think, I think they, it's very rude. You don't think I want to spend the rest of my life with the person. You think I want, I want to fuck that person right now. <laughs> and it's love at first sight when they're thinking the same thing. And then you do. And then it just continues. <laughs> I think I just revealed that my girlfriend and I fucked on the first date, but Hey, her parents don't listen to this show. It's being reported, recorded for a podcast. I don't think they're listening right now. Uh, so it was a friend of a friend, and who made the first move? He did. What did you do, Ian? I think we yeah cooked us some dinner. Whoa, that's bold. Just shook her hand and went, come in this kitchen, and you already got the pans going? <laughs> These onions are browning. How are them panties? Was that your line? Uh, I don't think so. You, do, you don't think so? <laughs> so you're telling me it could have been that line? You could have said one of the creepiest things I've ever thought of. And I once said smooth when someone dropped a baby. I'm joking, you assholes! In what context am I going to be somewhere where someone just drops a smooth? Um, and how did you guys get engaged? Well, that is the answer to my question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how did you do it? Was it pl up on a hill was it did you stay up all night to watch the sunrise <laughs> very good I was trying to trap you in a lie I just I forgot to do some setup before the show so I'm doing it while we're talking the show hasn't started yet this is just the delightful preamble um, I uh, where's the other jar there it is and we're back okay uh, Ian um, what did you say when you got down on one knee also did you tell him to propose to you before he did or were you absolutely surprised you were absolutely surprised? That's fucking great. Because a lot of times now, I don't know if you found this, I'm 32, so all of my friends are getting married. A lot of them for the second time. Because much like Australia, Canada, you get married young. Like I went to a wedding at 19, which is best described as 200 people invited to eat dinner for free. Well, we all thought, this won't last. <laughs> it's lasting. They're still going fucking strong. It's really weird. Other weddings we went to, I went to a wedding that cost a million Canadian dollars. And I cannot tell you where any of that money was and it i cannot it was it was the food was fine like i was expecting a gold plate and a butler to be stood next to me going are you satisfied mr hastings no jeeves fetch me other tom collins and and i would expect a man named tom collins to have the drink in his mouth and we'd just kiss and he would spit it into me like like a mother bird feeding a baby very interesting reaction to that joke. On the aisle, loved it. Main section, did not care for it at all. Yeah, no. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so far so good. Any incidents at the wedding? I used to cater weddings and you'd, uh, what we'd do before the service started for the wedding is we would all, the first, um, the, fir the person to pick the time when the family started fighting, he got the first round of drinks bought for him. And we never did not have to go through with it. The best one, uh, 11.45, the wedding started at 3. So we're talking 8 hours and 45 minutes of solid drinking. Father of the bride started smoking inside. Already great. You're not allowed to smoke inside in Canada. We're not savages. Started smoking inside, then walked up to the bartender who was 21 and went, I've never cheated on my wife, but maybe I should with you. I know, pretty good way to start the fight, right? And then his wife walked up and went, are you trying to fuck the bartender, Bert? <laughs> and then the bride walked up and went, mom, why are you yelling at dad? And then the mom went, he's trying to have an affair again. And then the bartender went, 
she's he said she he's never cheated on you before and then she went he hasn't but he's trying to get back at me for cheating on him and then it was a brouhaha in the parking lot for like an hour and a half gotta tell you the groom did not watch any of it he just stood on the dance floor dancing by himself that is a man who knows how to stay in a marriage what's that my wife is fighting with her parents well i can't help i will just stand here wait for her to be so upset she comes back and then i will console her and her tears will act as a lubricant <laughs> again interesting this side like that joke the aisle abstained from it you are a fickle crowd and i appreciate it keeping me on my toes on how far to go tears acting as, i gotta tell you i was not uncomfortable i was very uncomfortable saying tears acting as lubricant but some of these stories when you're riffing you just gotta pull a ripcord at some point and occasionally it's a parachute other times it's a knapsack full of bricks but you're jumping out of the airplane either way it just depends on how you're landing now Ange, what i would like you to do is you are going to title the episode for us today so you're going to pick a piece of paper uh from here and then you're going to stand up and ian is going to tell you how you're going to read the title. He's going to decide if it's going to be an accent, how you need to do it. So pick, pick a title. Don't read it yet. Just hold it in your little hand. Now, uh, please rise. Thank you so much. And, uh, and Ian, how would you like your wife of three years, and hopefully more, to read this title? I was thinking maybe a bit of Adolf Hitler style. <laughs> did anyone else hear the motorcycle rev up just as he said adolf hilters that was fucking what you thought i farted no 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 brother that was a motorcycle being adolf hitler style let's get out of here now what do you mean by adolf hitler style like do you mean kills a jew <laughs> he did do that don't cover your mouth that's what happened Holocaust deniers, am I right? No. <laughs> uh, what do you mean? Oh, I was just thinking a bit of the accent and a bit of the... Like a, <laughs> like a, like a, like a menacing, like, kind of style, is that what you mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I got gotcha. you. Uh, so, Ange, do you think you're up for that? We'll give it a go. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking awkers, mate, you hear that? Ah, we'll give it a go, gladly. Sounds like a nice place. <laughs> It's a reference to a massacre during World War One, where a lot of people from Australia were murdered by the enemy. I will explain the jokes as we go along, and as you can see, I don't like that she didn't know what Gallipoli was. I do. Uh, I what, what, like what were you asking her then? What a German accent sounds like. I gotta you, think about it. You can just make it up. Technically, Hitler didn't even have a German accent. He technically had an Aus Austrian accent. Because I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, wait, German, he was the leader of Germany. Wouldn't he be from Germany? No, he's from Austria. Austria is very clever. What they did is they convinced everyone Hitler was from Germany and Beethoven was from Austria, when actually it's the inverse. It's like a fun little joke we have here in Europe. None of them get it. They all voted leave. <laughs> now, um, but yeah, so just give it your, your, your best shot. And uh, if it's bad, I will mock you. But I won't, actually, because did you hear how the audience reacted when I said I will mock you? And they went, you will not. She's a very nice lady. <laughs> she is helping you out, and you're making her do an impression of a fascist. No, I'm not. Her husband is. <laughs> um, so the, the floor is yours, Ange. Are you all going to salute me? Hitler style? <laughs> <laughs> no, you will not all be saluting her Hitler style. That door is not locked, and I know my luck. Someone with a, photo, a camera would walk in, and just 20 people all saluting a man who already looks like Hitler's red dream, giving me the zig heil. I guess anything can be a podcast. <laughs> that was a nice try to get them all on board, but uh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's very good. Listen, that's the entire show, quite frankly. All right, now it's, it's back to you, Andrew. Australian attitude. Huh? <laughs> Dick Van Dyke meets Paul of Simon meets John Benet Ramsey. <laughs> All right. So, who here loves watching serial killer documentaries on Netflix? Just me and Chris. You. You. Anyone else? Anyone else into true crime? You are. It's. Are you into true crime? Yes. It's weird, right? It's, it's, it's the last rebellious thing we have. Like getting drunk till five o'clock in the morning watching the sunrise, 
people do it in your life it's a phase you go through like what's something that you do that you consider rebellious oh, i don't do anything you don't do anything <laughs> rebellious just that's fucking great don't embrace your dorkiness you understand that your tribe is ruling the planet all of your culture is everything everyone fucking sees and then complains about on the internet rick and morty is the biggest television show right now and it is the dorkiest thing in the world it is literally the doctor from back to the future and marty mclean but one has a drinking problem the other one has abandonment issues chris parnell's divorced from fucking second becky it's all insane I can't stop watching. Do not. The dorks, dorks rule. Listen, it's great. You're going to prepare us for the apocalypse Trump and Brexit is going to bring quickly because you guys will know how to fashion a laser gun. Are you excited for the new doctor? Yeah, me too, right? I found the backlash a little annoying. I was more upset about Peter Capaldi because of my problem with Peter Capaldi. I don't like his face. I know we're in Scotland and I'm supposed to be rah rah Peter Capaldi. I only want to see him as Malcolm Tucker. I wanted him to play the doctor like that. I wanted him to walk into the TARDIS and be like, ah, you're a fucking cunt, get me the PM. And then a, a, like a Daleks came in and he was like, look at this fucking wheelie bin, I'm gonna fuck you. And he's just fucking the wheelie bin. Like, ah, you're not real, you're not real. That's what I wanted. I didn't want a man in a long coat pretending like he's a grandfather who's both raising and dating his granddaughter at the same time. She's laughing because she's watched the show. The rest of you watched the last three seasons of Doctor Who and tell me that it's not written like some sort of weird rom-com where like when you're 60 it's cool to date a 20 year old if you dress snappy like right yeah it's fucking creepy <laughs> and every third episode do you feel like they just couldn't get a location so they just went to a white room and stood there for 45 minutes and we're like how we're we gonna fix this trap we'll fix it in 40 minutes and then have five minutes for quippy exposition thank you very much <laughs> pardon me in a fucking quarry and I just it's just, I'm aware that a lot of you don't give a fuck about Doctor Who but you need to understand stuff about dorks and nerds is that when we were children this is all we had so it's like now that it's for everyone it's like a friend of ours has gone from being part of like the dork crew sitting at the cafeteria with us playing Dungeons and Dragons and he's joined the football team we're happy he's on the football team but we're also like you betrayed us man you should be with us wearing a cloak talking about finger banging but also about where to get a fine loot string <laughs> I don't like that the police are arriving <laughs> I guess that's what happens when you attack Peter Capaldi in Scotland he's our fucking national animal mate I don't know what accent that was either but back to the true crime what about you brother what's something you do that you consider like your deepest darkest rebellious thing Already the way you said it, I feel like it's going to be way bleaker than you. <laughs> like, I, I feel it's like it's not really that deep or dark, but every once in a while, I cover my genitals in peanut butter. <laughs> and I just walk through a dark dog park, and I let what happens, happens. <laughs> Notice how he's just like, no, that's just something everybody does. Um, uh, Lean into the mic, sorry. Uh, uh, walk around the house naked when no one else is around. That's not deep and dark. That's just what you... I love that that's what you had. I love that you are a, 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 a chaste cherub boy. <laughs> that your rebellious thing is when no one's around, I will be in the buff going from my bedroom to the kitchen to get a cup of tea, but then immediately back into my bedroom. And if I sit on the sofa, oh, I put a towel down. If, my, if I know my flatmates are just in their room asleep, I am naked in every part of the house. Oh, like they're in the house. Oh, that is a much different thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like go into my flatmate's room naked because I can because she's not there. Okay, wait. Like you just, you cross the threshold and just stand there the way God made you just, now I have the power, Roberta. Is that what you mean? Yeah, maybe a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did I say before about what he says is going to turn out to be really bleak? That's very good. So you, that's sort of your rebellious thing a little bit. Like that thing that makes you feel like a little... Yeah, it's the thing that makes you feel a little naughty, but it's, it's a part of you. And you like it. What about you? I'm just concerned because we're about to be new flatmates. Oh. <laughs> I would suggest you get a lock for that door. <laughs> No, I know she's not joking. You said that in complete seriousness. And she, yeah, she probably just doesn't want you rummaging through her stuff using your dick as a, as a finger. 
It's a horrible way to. I just I picture you leafing through a book, but just. <laughs> For those of you listening at home, I was motioning with my pelvis as if my dick was a hand flipping the pages of a book. As you can tell from the tension in the crowd, it was not received well. <laughs> and, and you miss rebellious thing you do. Nothing at all. Something that you do that makes you feel naughty, eating peanut butter with a spoon. All the time. Um. Some people don't do that. They're idiots. But they, it's the best, right? Do you ever do that and go, well, that's lunch sorted, and then eat a full lunch, and then eat that again and go, well, that was dessert and appetizers? Yeah. I feel like I'm just a weird guy, because so far, I have all of the things that we've addressed. Um, but true crime. Again, people with true crime, give me a cheer. Yay. The thing with it, and I don't know if you guys are like me, but I find it... I find it fascinating. I find it fascinating to look at those people's, it makes, it's an off-putting thing to do. It's not something you can share. You can't sit down on a date with someone or sit with your girlfriend and be like, baby, do you want to watch uh, Inside the Mind of a Serial Killer at least four episodes and really figure out why these people thought murder and rape made them feel like God because that's all I want to do. Like, do you feel the tension in here right now? Some of you are considering me to be I disagree with everything they did, but it's part of the human experience. There's something wrong with these people that did it. You learn about fascinating things. Like most serial killers have a frontal lobe injury. They think that it's some sort of problem with emotional connectivity that actually happens from an injury right there. A lot of, all of them have uh, tenets of alcoholism. A lot of them drink very heavily. I think that is also a sign of it. Um, all of them have problems with human interaction. Or there's others that just one day decide to start killing people and those are the scariest ones because we all know someone in our lives that we are now thinking about going yeah that guy is definitely on that list it's a fascinating thing i learned something by the way in true crime this was a bit that i was going to do in my other show 915 bunker 2 that's not funny but it's an interesting fact so eileen warnos are we all familiar with eileen warnos the film with Charlize theron monster we saw that you're staring at me like you don't know. No idea. She's considered the first female serial killer ever. She was caught and eventually murdered in 1994 by the government, but she was caught in 1992. Now, the reason why she's considered the first female serial killer is that up until 1992, the American Psychiatric Association and most legal bodies declared that women could not be serial killers. Does anyone have a guess why? Just guess. Go as base and as stupid as you can think of, and let's see if you can guess why women couldn't be considered serial killers until 1992. Any guesses at all? Just throw them out. Anything? Because they're women. It's very close to the actual reason, but it's not specifically that. Anything else? Lack of penis. Lack of penis. Again, you're, you're closer than you want to believe, but not true. Any idea? It's much harsher against womankind. Is it something silly? It's very, it's something along that vein. Yes, absolutely. Something very, very silly, very much a stereotypical idea. Women are not clever enough. Clever enough. Again. I'm not saying No, no, no. I, <laughs> brother, no, no, no. <laughs> I totally get what you're saying. They are very much against you this afternoon, but I totally get it. No, it is not, it is not that at all. You, you're very, very close. What it is. You deserve to die. Like you're allowed to kill a few. You're allowed to kill a few men? That's. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Not, did someone just see how we all get two? <laughs> Ouch! That's very much an example of not all menning, I think. Do I need to explain that? Okay, listen, there's an idea right now because we're having a big sort of societal dialogue about something called white privilege and male privilege of the idea, and a lot of men feel a lot of aggression towards that and say, well, I have never done those things that you are saying. If you're someone who's a feminist approaching a man, and then feminist community will say, well, no, what you're doing is saying not all, you're being not all men. You're saying, well, not all men have done that while you're bringing it up, and what they're saying is I'm trying to bring that to your attention. If you're aware of it, just go forward and try and change the behavior of your friends and people in your life, and we'll have a better society, but some people don't like that sort of stuff being thrown at them, so they go, well, not all men and the problem is because it's a very sort of hot button subject because people are feeling blame then the feminist community which i feel very much a part of will go don't hashtag not all men stop doing that and then we get into a situation where people are just yelling at hashtags and then the podcast goes from being really fun to this weird rant where everyone's going wow what did he study i studied a uh, bachelor of fine arts and theater but i did accidentally take a class on feminism and i found it very interesting <laughs> mostly because everyone thought i was in the wrong class and i was not I took it, it was, it was feminist art, and I thought, there couldn't have been that many lady painters, it'll be an easy class. <laughs> <laughs> 
Fuck you. I was 19. I, I'm not one of those people that will say I came out of the box fucking perfect and enlightened. I went through the muck. I was raised in the 90s when homophobia was as cool as baggy trousers and cargo pants. And I have figured out that all of those things were a bad thing and I have changed my point of view. If you were someone who has held the exact same point of view you've had since you were a kid, I guarantee a lot of it is wrong. You have to change your opinion. Now back to women being a serial killer until 1992. The reason why women women could not be considered serial killers until 1992 is at a base psychological level. All serial killers were considered to have no care for anything except killing, especially money. They saw no value in money. Well, up until 1992, a psychological imperative as determined by the American Psychiatric Association was that women were obsessed with money, therefore could not be serial killers. That was 1990. I know you're all looking at me going, no, fuck you. Look it up. It's the weirdest thing you'll ever read because you're like, so dumb. And that's why any woman who was tried as a serial killer, she was always with a man and they go, the man encouraged her. She was using the women as bait and then she would do that and then she would rob the bodies. If you, th It's so fucking insidious and weird. And the reason why Eileen Warnos is the first case is after she was killed because they said she wasn't a serial killer. You can't uh, put a serial killer to death because it's considered a psychological disorder. But they put her to death because she wasn't a serial killer. She was robbing all the men and it came to light later, she wasn't robbing all the men, she was killing them, and then her girlfriend would be like, where'd you put the body? And she's like, it's over there, I'm gonna just stand here and feel fulfilled, and then his, her girlfriend would go and rob the bodies, therefore she was a serial killer. Again, not the funniest part of the show, <laughs> but you have walked away all thinking, well that guy reads, but not books I'd like to see him reading on a train. <laughs> It is weird. No, I have definitely been reading books on the train that I should not have. Like I read the book about the Paul Bernardo case, which is a very famous case in Canada. It's what got me into true crime because for the two years from the ages of nine to 11 on the radio every day, I would hang out with my grandparents a lot when I was a kid because they lived down the street and my grandparents were really into the news. So they would just play all this information about serial killers all day every day on talk radio now i was nine and they should have turned the radio off because there was like and then he used the head as a hat and he felt pleasure and i'm nine being like you can wear a head as a hat weird do not do that like it's <laughs> there's some yeah so it was fascinating and i was reading it on on a train and it was a very crowded train but i noticed no one was sitting at the table that I had, and I came to realize it's because I was reading a book called uh, um, called um, uh, No More Pretty Girls, the story of two serial killers, one of whom got away with it, and I was reading it, and literally, because when I read a book, I enjoy a book, like I'll be mouthing the words, hmm, oh, injected her sister with a poison, fascinate, like is, is bad. <laughs> Favorite criminal? I don't Don't have one? Who else is into true crime? Again, I forgot. You were? You said that so sadly. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I can ask you a different question. Favorite color? Pink. Mine too. It actually is. It's very complimentary and also makes me feel happy. And also, by the way, when you're a straight white male and you're wearing pink, everyone looks at you like, what are you thinking? And you're going, I'm thinking I look good. And I'm thinking you need to clo open up your mind, narrow fuck. Now, I like this. This is the point in the show every day where everyone goes from like, we're having a nice time to, what's the next segment? We'll get to it eventually. <laughs> and your name is? Zara. Zara? Heir to the shop? <laughs> <laughs> do you go to that shop? I do. Do you? I don't like it. Oh, I do. We can be different. It's fine. <laughs> Here's the thing: is like you have a like you have a traditionally portioned body. Like everything is the right size. My body, it's all torso, baby legs. <laughs> you well. Thank you very much. I've learned how to dress because if I dress normally, it's this. <laughs> it's not good. Uh, and so when I go to Zara, I like a nice I like a nice cardigan like that. Oh, let's. Yeah, you better... And stay the fuck out! We're talking about men's fashions, motherfucker! Mm. He probably shops at H&M. Am I right, guys? 
But yeah, so when I go and put on jackets at Zara, I always the, the staff always get a little too close because they can eyeball and be like, there's no way that'll fit him. And then I'll just end up wearing a leather coat that goes to right here, but like I want to buy it. So I'll just be looking in the mirror being like, yeah, I can pull this off. It's like a new move. I'll just be like, oh, it's a waistcoat. I just want to make sure that my, my hip bones are exposed to the air of the winter. <laughs> well, guys, we are, how are we doing for time? Oh, hyper diapers. We're almost up. Now, we have one more segment. Uh, but before we get to that, uh, just a reminder, it's free to get in. Uh, it's uh, pay uh, uh, five pounds to get out. And I... <laughs> Yeah, it's absolutely serious, but thank you for finding the humor in it. <laughs> Laughing that you guys, ha ha, only five pounds, we'll give you ten. All right, ten pounds, guys. Um, so we'll do that. But before that, how we end the show is uh, these are stories from my stupid youth. And you're going to draw them, and I will tell you the story completely honestly. Hopefully it's funny. If not, it will be shorter than it would be if it was funny. <laughs> and who would like to draw? You, sir, would you like to draw? Now, before you read it, very good. Before you read it, Nazara, how would you like, what is your name? Connor. Connor, how would you like Connor to read out this story? Um, in the style of a sex slave. In the style of a s- <laughs> I don't even know what that is the style of. <laughs> I, I, it, you know what, that's a very good point, actually, in the style of a sex slave. It is very good. I also have to say, that said also, in the style of a sex slave, sounds like a play that would be getting five stars at this festival right now, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Gerard Depardieu in, in the stylings of a sex slave. It's just him and his weird ball sack being an 89-year-old French actor who I think died in 2012. Is Gerard Depardieu dead? No, he's in Russia. What? That was fucking right there. He's in what? He lives in Russia. He lives in Russia? Because he left France over the top of tax going to send it And he went to Russia? Get the fuck out of here. So, yeah. So, when uh, Francois Hollande put the uh, top of tax up 70%, Depardieu threatened to leave if he won the election. And then when he did, Putin welcomed him as a big like ceremony of Russia having liberal tax laws and said he could come live in and gave him citizenship and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Are you fucking kidding me? No, he's been yeah, no, I know he is, but I'm just saying, do you understand the, the celebrities that are in Russia right now are Gerard Depardieu and Steven Seagal. <laughs> I don't want to be a hacky comedian, but I want to see the movie they make together. <laughs> The Clown and the Karate Man. Uh, Steven Seagal, he is uh, one of the, I think he's one of two hosts ever fired from Saturday Night Live um, because he showed up on, I don't know if you guys, are you guys familiar with the show Saturday Night Live? So how they structure the show is on the Monday night before the show that airs live on the Saturday, you meet the host on the Monday. You sit in Lorne Michaels, the executive producer's office, and the host comes in last, and everyone applauds and then he sits down and he is allowed to pitch the first sketch now it's usually like a ceremonial thing where he goes i'm just an actor or an actress i'm a musician i'm not a sketch performer i'm not going to pitch steven seagal came with ideas <laughs> his idea and this is from the book live from new york an oral history of saturday night live he's he sat down and he went i'm a doctor and i grope women <laughs> And then there was apparently this long pause and Jan Hooks put up her hand and went, and then what happens? And he goes, it's just funny because that's what all doctors do. And then he just laughed and then they pitched a bunch of sketches and then he left and they were like, yeah, he won't be hosting. We think he's a sex criminal. Now reading the title in the style of a sex slave, Connor, go ahead. Gerard Depardieu's in Russia. <laughs> I just, I figured him as a very liberal man, and it's just, Russia doesn't seem to, yeah, I know, it's just a fight, it's traitorous. It's like when you find out Clint Eastwood's like a massive fucking Republican, and you're like, man, all those movies about gun-toting and needless freedom. He really betrayed me. I'll explain that. Go, go, stand up and, oh, you know, you're going to get the mic, but you have to stand up first. All right, I don't know how this is going to go. Um... Atomic fart at Jamieson's party. Very good. <laughs> I find it strange that you did that in an American accent. 
I guess proving that Trump is really fucking us all now. Mmm, <laughs> want it back. Um, so this story, um, it was at the very first boy-girl birthday party I ever went to. Did you guys have that experience in your life? The first party where one of your friends was like, I am friends with girls. They will come to my house for my birthday. We will play music on a boombox. How old are you, Connor? Okay, a boombox is like an iPod. <laughs> But it was really big, and you had to change each. There weren't playlists. It was like a whole album, and it was a, it was like a glass coaster that you had to place inside of it. It was like a, it was a CD. <laughs> Fuck you. Did, did you remember CDs? I don't. You had a CD player. How old were you when you stopped having a CD player? It's madness. I, when I was 15, someone gave me a CD player that was like a CD player you could hold and walk around with. And I remember thinking, we will never improve upon this technology. <laughs> and, um, and so it was the very first one. We were 13. And, uh, and Andrew uh, Jamison, he is, he's both one of the coolest guys I've ever known and I think, quite frankly, the craziest man I've ever met. He always has a knife on him. <laughs> Every time I've seen him go to the airport, he, I've dropped him off, and here's what it is. He's walking in, rolling suitcase, and he walks through the doors, and then you can wait. Three, two, one. He walks out towards a bin, takes a knife out of his pocket, drops it in the bin, kind of shrugs his shoulders like, fuck, I didn't want to throw that knife away, and then walks into the airport. He's just a lunatic. He's from, he's from Newfoundland. Uh, do you, have you been to Newfoundland? I used to live in Canada, so you, I know how crazy Newfoundland is. There you go. So did you see that reaction of that man where he just went... <laughs> it's sort of like English people, Geordies. It's that same relationship where you, you love them, you'll visit, but when you're stood in the big market in Newcastle going, yeah, they do this every day. It's that same bewilderment when you're on like jo George Street in St. John's and you're like, that man just drank a bottle of Kahlua in a go and now he's fucking a fish. What do you mean he's the mayor? And... <laughs> And so that's who Andrew is. Now, Andrew, always, he's always had a way, he's always had a way with the ladies. I'm not a charming person whenever I'm approaching a girl. I'm always just sort of very, like, nervous-palmed and like, you seem ready for the kissing? Like, it's not good. Um, but he, he's very smooth. He's very, very smooth. He's also just a volatile rebel. He, is, he has definitely been that guy to a lot of girls where they're like, I want to date a bad boy. And then they go to, like, a Kelsey's and he ends up fighting a bouncer. And they're like, I don't want to date a bad boy anymore. <laughs> Yeah, he's that guy. Like a couple of Christmas ago, he ended up settling down with a girl for eight years. And she did not like any of us. She didn't like us. She was very controlling and stuff like that. So she made him move to a remote farm. And we didn't see him for eight years. I grew up with this guy. I never saw him. And then eight years, they broke up right before Christmas of 2015. And like four days before Christmas. And uh, in Ottawa, where I'm from, is an area called The Market. It would be sort of similar to the Cowgate. There's a lot of bars and sort of rock clubs. And it was the first time he had been out in eight years and I was coming from a gig so I showed up late I was smoking a cigarette in front of our like favorite bar it's called Zaphod Beetle Box what up and <laughs> and um, and I just I just see my two friends Steve and Paul walking just shaking their heads and I was like what's up where's Andrew I haven't seen him in eight years and they're like he's on his way he just he got into a fight and I was like what what it's it's 11. You can't get into a fight at 11. And he was like, yeah, yeah. He was talking to these two girls and he suggested that they have a threesome in the disabled toilet. And they said, no, we're your waitresses. How drunk are you? And then he said, you can't tell me to stop drinking. And they said, well, we're not going to, we weren't going to, but now you can't drink. Anyway, he tried to fight the bartender. He somehow got one of those aluminum stands with the velvet rope and took a swing at a bouncer who didn't work at the bar. And five <laughs> bouncers are chasing him around the market. And then out of like perfect timing, he just came out of a car park on the other side and just like like booted an emergency exit and like he was like dusty, just ah, ah. John, long time. Do you have a cigarette I can borrow? I was like, oh yeah, he hasn't changed. And so he had the very first party. And I remember we were in, uh, I was in uh, Mrs. Brackenbury's class and he was in Mrs. Stopar's class across the hallway, but he was a rebel. So he just left his class in the middle of it and walked into mine and was like, dude, there are girls coming to my party. So you'd be better, better be ready to dance. Cause once you dance with the lady, then you have to kiss them. And I was like, I, I don't think that's a rule, but I'm 13. So I will believe anything you say 
and he walked away and so the party the party came and i was i was very nervous it was the first time i ever took more than one shower in a day i remember that specifically <laughs> where i like, showered in the morning and then at around five i was like i want i want to smell good for the for dem ladies so when they're fighting me off they could be like Ooh, is that Axe body lotion that recently came out? No, it's just Dove butter soap. I found the body lotion actually doesn't really clean me as much as it does other people because it doesn't look like it, but I have a lot of crevices on my body. Anyway, what part of my body would you like to start kissing? I will not participate. And <laughs> and so uh, I... I, I got to the party and it was it was I look back now and all of the girls were just as nervous as all of the guys because we were all 13 14 hormones running through us but I I always thought like the girls were all like calm cool and collected they knew exactly what they were doing and all the dudes were like I I have seen a porno magazine will you be one of those girls to me like that was the nervousness I felt in it and looking back they were just as nervous as us and uh and i remember there was uh there was like uh uh like um not crab puffs what, are, what the fuck are they called <laughs> do you know what i'm talking about like breaded crab deep fried nonsense it was fucking good i don't know it was seafood that was covered in bread great and i ate a bunch of those and then there was like uh there was chips and we were eating those and the ketchup i remember was being ve- was very vinegary and, and I was dipping it, and I was like, oh, that's weird. And I was so nervous. And then Andrew's, I don't know where his parents were, because they should have been monitoring us. Because this is how people get pregnant at 14, is they put the lunatic in charge. He was like, all right, everyone down in the basement, now we're going to dance. And we were like, we don't want to dance. And we all walked down two by two, like we were being led into some sort of camp, a la the reading of the first suggestion of the show. <laughs> And as we went down, and, uh, and Andrew's sister, Kelly, was there, and she's like, we're going to play a game where uh, everyone dances, and then I'll yell snowball, and then you have to switch dance partners. It's actually a nice way of everyone dancing. And I sat in the corner because I was like, I don't, I'm feeling really nervous, and I got all sweaty. And then I felt like a rumbling in my stomach like I've never felt before. And, it, and then there was like a pop like of a bicycle inner tube, <laughs> and then the rush of air. Like it was, it wasn't so much as a fart as it was a force from my shit pipe outward as if to say, this man is ready to be a virgin for at least four more years. (laughs) And it was loud and everyone just turned to me and I couldn't even hide. I just started laughing at the ridiculousness of it. And to show that Andrew was a true friend, he went, atomic fart! Fuck yeah! Uh, he later claimed I stained the wall of the basement. Now, we tried to recreate the circumstances many times to see if I could do it again. We never were able to, but that lives in the minds of the nine people that were at that party. Well, one of whom I, I, I ended up making out with at a party like six years ago, and the icebreaker, she walked up and went, you're the guy who farted that time when we were being creeps in the basement. And I was like, yeah, and there's a basement here, and I've learned how to control my vowels. <laughs> uh, guys, thank you so much for being part of this weird show. I will be at the back with flowers to my Patreon. It's five pounds to get out, or whatever coins you have in your pocket. Please donate. I've had to pay for flowers and everything else. Thank you so much for your time. Long live Gerard Depardieu. Have a good afternoon. Thank you very much. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs>